Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. Check out www.nowhearthis.biz. Be sure to sign up for the email newsletter there, which is quick and easy. All that's required is an email address. We are coming to you from Crystal Blue Sound Studios near Tampa, Florida. Check them out on the web at www.cbpro, as in Crystal Blue Productions, cbpro.net. Be sure you are subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends to do so as well. We are thrilled to be on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and SoundCloud. Lots of great guests on Now Hear This Entertainment, or as I've taken to calling it, NHTE. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from the road. He lives in Nashville, but today he's in Alabama. My guest has written, hold on to your hats, listeners, approximately 7,000 songs. He presently performs and tours with a trio called Asteria Lux. He was part of the first rock band ever to tour China. His music has been featured in the Rock Band video game, and he has had TV and film placements. He wrote a book called The Everything Songwriting Book, All You Need to Create and Market Hit Songs. You've been hearing a song called Leave a Mark. It's my pleasure to welcome to the show singer, songwriter, guitar player, and all-around great guy, C.J. Watson. Wow, you you make me feel like somebody, Bruce. (laughs) You are somebody. Well, my mama thinks so. Um, I think it's only fair to mention, though, that you know, seven. I've written seven thousand songs, but there's about a hundred good ones probably in there. I think. But uh, that's how you, that's how you become a good songwriter. Is you write a whole lot of bad songs, and eventually you run out of all the bad ideas and get to the good ones. All right, there's there. Write that formula down, listeners. I I, I like it. Um, CJ, thanks thanks for doing this though. We, we've been long overdue to get you on the show, and I'm I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Thanks for making time. Well, I've been hoping and wanting to do this for a long time. They just uh, the business keeps me as busy as a uh, a cat in a in a sawdust pile. So uh, <laughs> I'll let you all fill in your own expectations for how that works. All right, well, uh, before I jump into things, just tell the listeners first, if you would please then, about the song we were just playing called Leave a Mark. That was just one of the most interesting co-writes I've ever had. Um, and, and most of the people in the, the songwriting business co-write. They write with other people um, because you get two opinions to get rid of the bad lines and twice as many ideas for good lines, so it just works out well. I wrote the first verse of that song um, about 12 years ago. Mm. And it sat for 10 years because I knew that that song needed a co-writer to finish it out. Um, what I didn't know is at the time when I wrote it, my co-writer was six years old, so I was waiting for her to grow <laughs> up and become a songwriter. And uh, when I started working with Genesis Green, something clicked and went, oh, this is the person to finish the song with. So, uh, And at that point, it took about 40 minutes to finish. It just came easily. 
Okay, but talk about uh, a you know what the song is about, and and b how you all of a sudden remember from a catalog of seven thousand songs. Gee, you know I've got that song I was sitting on from ten years ago. How how do you pull that out of the library? Well, about every couple of years, I go through the whole catalog and I kick out a bunch of songs. Um, the biggest purge I probably ever had was in nineteen ninety nine or two thousand. I threw away about 2,600 titles wow. a year. Just scrapped the songs, and and if there was a great line in it, I'd put that in a file and keep But that song in particular just kept coming back. It kept reminding me, hey, I'm not done. Who do you know who could who could be the right co-writer for this? Hmm. Um, and when Genesis was about 15, she started working as my intern. Um, I quickly discovered that she was way better at singing and songwriting than at filing stuff. So uh, <laughs> we were working in the studio one day and had a, a break, and we were just talking about writing, and it just popped in my head, hey, ding, 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 this is the person to help you finish this song. Very interesting, very interesting. Um, you're in the midst of a lot of shows out on the road last month, you were in the Florida Panhandle at the Pensacola Beach Songwriters Festival. This month, you're in Alabama playing the Frank Brown International Songwriters Festival. In between, Asteria Lux played in Dallas. Is is this pattern going to continue for the foreseeable future? Well, the foreseeable future is uh, the Magic 8-Ball says, apply hazy, try again. <laughs> um, and, yeah, we, uh, we'll be all over lower Alabama or LA as they call it down here and Florida Panhandle as well for the next two weeks. Then we have uh, a day and a half off and we go to uh, Monroeville, Alabama, uh, the literary capital. That's where Harper Lee's from, where Truman Capote spent a lot of his childhood and we're helping them run a festival there the following week. Uh, after that, things get a little hazy because uh, Mysteria Lux, after a great run and right on the verge of incredible success is uh, is going to be no more after mm. December 18. Mm. Um, Courtney Jovich has decided to go be a fourth grade teacher instead of a rock star. So, wow. uh, And we wish her great luck in that endeavor, but uh, we haven't decided uh, exactly what we're going to do at this point. Wow, this just in. Yep, yep, you're the first to hear it. Breaking breaking news on Now Hear This Entertainment, which is which is interesting because uh, this is episode 41, and on episode 40, uh, Misty Loggins gave us the exclusive on uh, a fishing calendar she's releasing along with a free download that you can get when you pre-order that. And, and as I mentioned, on episode 40 uh, with Misty Loggins, uh, had a couple other exclusives, actually in the form of music. Episode 11 with uh, Lindsay McCall gave us two songs that hadn't even been released, not even on her album, but to radio yet. And then similarly on episode 22, Juliana Zobrist gave us the exclusive on one of her new songs that had not even come out yet. So there you go. Once again, uh, now here, this entertainment gets the exclusive as Asteria Lux uh, will be in a state of flux. (laughs) Ooh, nice, nice. I'm going to, I'm going to feel that and put that up on our Facebook page. And, (laughs) By the way, I, I encourage people to go track down that episode with Misty Loggins because she is, I think, one of the great undiscovered talents in country music. Wow. Wow, nicely said. Um, and she's pretty, too. 
That doesn't hurt. That doesn't hurt. Um, but but let's talk more about life on the road because you hear about acts that play a couple hundred dates a year on the road. We 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 could get into a whole separate discussion about health and diet and all that stuff. But how important is it to you, CJ, to have balance, e- even if that means that the time that you're not on the road, you're still busy at home in Nashville, but at least you're home. Um. Yeah. Too long on the road, and you. It's almost like living in a different universe. Time passes differently, and you get really numb to it. Um, so I suggest making sure, even if you don't have time to go home, that you schedule days off, that you do things that, that help you relax and and kind of depressurize a bit. Um, and, yeah, what you eat really factors in. It's so easy to just go through a drive through um, but it's not that much harder to find a subway or something a little more healthy. Uh, we usually try anytime, like doing these festivals, we're staying in one place. We're playing a dozen different venues, but we're staying at one place. So the first thing we do is go hit the grocery store, get salads, get fruits, healthy snacks. Um, the most important thing, though, and I can't stress this enough, is sleep. If you don't get sleep, you lose your voice, and then you get stressed over losing your voice, and then you can't sleep, and it's a mm. vicious cycle. Mm. Um, staying hydrated is probably number two. Um, it just is so important for sleep, for health, for keeping your voice working. Uh, especially, you know, a lot of times we're out and I'm also doing lecturing and workshops and talking's harder on your voice than, than singing in a lot of ways. So you've got to drink water and you have to sleep. Well, and not to mention that you don't write 7,000 songs by sitting at home and doing it by yourself for a couple hours on a schedule. Obviously, you're writing any time of day, any location, including when you're out on the road. So if you are out on the road and you're putting yourself in a position where you're going to end up miserable, the creativity just is not going to be able to flourish. And thus, all the songwriting that I know that you do all over the place isn't going to be what it's become for you because you've put yourself in an environment that is just unhealthy for contributing to all the things that you're talking about, being a better performer, being a better lecturer, being a better songwriter. Yeah, and for the most part, um, the road is is great for inspiration and for getting ideas because you're seeing new places um, or favorite old places, making new friends or seeing old friends, and all that activity in your brain uh, stimulates the creative part. You'll get a lot of song ideas you don't always finish them on the road, but that's, you know, you go home, you sort through what you've got in your notebook and, and voice memos on your phone and start finishing things up. Um, the nice part about being out with the Stereo Lux is I've, I've been out with two of my favorite co-writers in the world, so we do actually get a good amount of right road um, just because eventually there's nothing on TV and you want to do something <laughs> fun. <laughs> well, not to mention that for someone that is in Nashville every day and in the grind, as, as envious as, as that may make certain listeners thinking, gee, I'd love to be full-time living in Nashville doing what he's doing, not unlike, not unlike being on the road too long, I submit that there's such a thing as being home too long, and you do need to get out on the road to, to, to break the, the monotony of going through the motions at home, yes? Absolutely. I, you could not be more right, especially... Um, because so many people moved to Nashville, and I was one of—I was used to making my living playing and singing. 
And that's not going to happen while you're in Nashville. You have to leave town um, to get the kind of appreciation that you get used to when you make music for a living, um, including financial appreciation. <laughs> uh, you know, if, if we do a show in Nashville, and we're, we've got a lot of friends there, we're fairly well respected, but, you know, the, the usual gig for a singer-songwriter in Nashville is you go play three songs in a room full of other songwriters um, and you don't get paid. And nobody buys CDs, you know. Now, you do the Bluebird someplace like which we do fairly frequently, you'll sell because you get a lot of tourists in there. But it just doesn't compare to the more remote the place, if you're playing in, you know, say, uh, Oxbogger, Montana, to people that, that, you know, don't get that level of stuff on a regular basis, they'll go nuts, they'll buy CDs, they'll ask you to sign up. And I think as a performing artist, that is really necessary to keep your self-esteem up. Now, coming back to Nashville will also help keep you humble, so it's a good balance. <laughs> Well, on that note, you know, we've we've had many guests on this show weigh in on the topic of people who just up and move to Nashville. Uh not not to mention we've we've talked about the number of them that end up leaving. But as a as a veteran of the music industry in Nashville, what what is the biggest mistake you see people making when they move there to to try to make it in the music business? If any part of their financial plan includes get a publishing deal or get famous and then pay your bills with that, that's a mistake. Um, now, that may be the main reason you're moving there, and it may be your main goal, and it may be your dream, but you really have to have something in place that you can do to make money that doesn't include music. Um, even if it's just waiting tables or tending bar, and there are plenty of those jobs in Nashville, um, but even as far as, as competition for you know, I've done a lot of, of radio and voice work, but because so many people in the entertainment business have also done that, the competition is just brutal. Um, kind of like a, say, a 30-second radio spot that back home might have gotten, you know, two $500 for and could count on a dozen of those a week. Um, in Nashville, you may get $25 for it with a buyout, and, and you know, you're up against 100 other people for it. So... Biggest advice I would say is have a lot of savings, have a job lined up, and have a plan that allows you not only to survive and pay your bills, but also to keep plenty of time to invest in your music career because there are people who move there, you know, who say their parents are taking care of them or they have a, a large savings or they inherited, you know, grandma always wanted them to pursue this dream. So they're working, some of them, 16 hours a day. So you not only need to have the money to pay your bills to live there, but you need to have the time in your schedule to the other people who are working full-time to get the spot you're competing for. But could an argument be made for finding the right line of work? What I'm getting at is you could work as a server or a bartender, as you mentioned, and put yourself in a great position to meet a lot of people. However, if you're, say, in the healthcare field, and you're buried in an office, the only people you're probably going to meet are your coworkers every day. Is is there some some validity to, to what I'm suggesting here? Absolutely. Um, and you also want a job that's going to be easy to quit without a lot of repercussions. Mm. You know, wait staff and, and server jobs on a resume, if you were at one for six months and, and moved on, that doesn't look so bad. If, yeah, if you were a, you know, a financial analyst and 
quit that after a few months and then you were, you know, something else that it, it, it helps to, uh, it doesn't help rather. It makes your resume look kind of bad when you go to look for a job again and they're harder to get, harder to quit. So yeah, get something that, that just pays the bills. And I also advise people, you know, don't get an expensive apartment. You know, get the cheapest thing you can Make sure you've got money left to invest in demos and anything else you might need to advance your career. Yeah, I'm glad that you pointed that out because it's it's not about get the cheapest place so that your money will last you longer. Yes, I mean, obviously that's a consideration, but you you made the investment to move to Nashville, so have the money available to invest in your career as, as you're suggesting with, with the tools of the trade and, and the necessary aspects of the music business that are going to cost you money. And that being said, I also advise people to, even if they've got abundant savings, really don't spend anything the first year you're there. It's it's a matter of, and I've seen this happen with so many people, they'll come with a, a nest egg to launch their career, and they'll immediately spend a lot of money demoing the songs that they brought with them. And a year later, they've started to learn right. And the money's gone, and they've got great demos mm. of songs that are unmarketable. Wow. Excellent. Uh, and point. I tell people, consider your first four years there as, as college. You're there to learn for the first four years, figure out how things work. And some people go through it a little faster, some it's a little slower. But try to just show up and learn, make friends, make connections. And then when you really are sure that you know what's going on, then invest the money. Excellent um, point. It, Excellent in point. The, in the long run, you're, you're better off to even just keep spending the money on being here than to spend a bunch of it before you're ready on, on packaging, because being here is the most important thing. Well, I, I like the way you said that, and, and uh, you know, it's it's a good analogy. If if you're going to invest the money in four years of college, why not invest the money in in four years of of studying Nashville? So, uh, very well said. Great, great advice. Great insight. I am Bruce Wozniak, and joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line is singer songwriter C.J. Watson. He is the creator of and guitar player for the group Asteria Lux. Check them out online at www.asterialux.com. That's A-S-T-E-R-I-A-L-U-X.com. There are links there also to their Facebook and Reverb Nation pages. Be sure to keep up with them to be in the loop on where they'll be performing over these final, say, uh, six weeks of Asteria Lux. Their EP, Love Drunk, is available for purchase right there on the website, too. And CJ himself is on Facebook, so you can find him on there. Be sure that you're also checking out www.nowhearthis.biz. That's H-E-A-R. Sign up for the e-newsletter there and subscribe to this podcast and tell others about it, too. Subscribing is free, and it makes it so easy to get the show every week. It'll just download automatically when a new episode comes out, so you don't even have to go looking for it. Feel free to use the social media buttons on nowhearthis.biz to like the Now Hear This page on Facebook and or become a Twitter follower. And please, I'd love to hear your feedback about the podcast. Post your comments on that Facebook page I just mentioned. It's facebook.com slash nowhearthisinc. 
CJ, I mentioned before two big songwriters festivals that you're a regular participant in. What are, what are the benefits for you of, of playing at those events different from what they might be for a young songwriter who's just starting out? Well, actually, I think there are probably more benefits for the young songwriters, but uh, us old dogs get the best gigs. <laughs> um, really, it's uh, for me, it's a chance to give back. Um, like with uh, both the Pensacola Beach Songwriters Festival and the Frank Brown, um, I'm in charge of a lot of the of a lot of the educational programs. Um, we do a, a workshop and seminar. We do a young writers workshop every year. We do programs in the schools. Um, we do a song contest. Um, so it's it's a chance to to meet some of the young ones and. And for them, it's a chance to network with the more established writers. When you're walking down Music Row, you know, it's it's bad etiquette if you see Jim McBride or Sonny Throckmorton walking down the street, although Sonny doesn't really even go to the row anymore. But it, it's bad etiquette to just confront them and, and say, hey, I'm a songwriter, and isn't that cool? Um, but down here, things are a little more relaxed. We're all down here to play gigs and have fun it's a little easier to initiate a conversation you know we all have lunch in the same place and um so it's a it's a great networking opportunity in a low pressure environment a uh, great chance to to be a rock star for a little while uh, this is the 30th year for the frank brown festival which is where i am now and uh so i've got a little bit of a following and people who love to come hear me play and uh it's going to be great to introduce them to the band for the last couple weeks of its lifetime uh, so it's there's a lot of stuff we get out of it, um, and tonight we're playing my favorite restaurant in the world in Bon Secours, Alabama, the, the Tin Top. So I will also eat until I can't move. <laughs> well, and and you know, as I mentioned before about breaking the monotony of being in Nashville every day, I, I think it's fair to say that it's a nice vacation for you too. It's it's a you know very nice place to go to, but you know both locations, uh, you know, and, and as you mentioned before. Be, being in a more relaxed setting, may, maybe with some of the same people that you're interacting with every day in Nashville, but maybe not. You know, maybe, you know, guys like Dave McCormick, who are coming down from West Virginia, who is on the podcast, or, you know, people that you only get to see at the Songwriters Festival that you're going, hey, great, maybe I'll even write something with this person, but if nothing else, you know, we might just sit and play together. Yeah, and I mean, it's there are friends that I only see here, and there are friends that I made at these festivals. I know you... uh you handle uh, Melissa, and I met her at uh, Pensacola Beach Songwriters Festival. She just showed up. You guys just kind of walked out of the ocean one year and <laughs> said, hey, we heard there's a songwriter thing and looking for some place to play, and I think it was at the after party, and I was running the after party, so I said, well, let's hear what you can do, and everybody was just blown away. So, yeah, you, you make new friends. You see old friends. There's... Uh, not a whole lot to not like, and you get paid money to play your own songs, which is always, any day I get to do that, I'm a lucky man. Yeah, and plus it's important to, to note again that, you know, don't don't be in Nashville ex- expecting to be selling CDs everywhere that you're playing, but yes, CJ can go to a songwriters festival and, and people are more than willing to, to purchase the music from the writers that they're hearing perform at, at events like those that are far beyond Nashville's borders. The best year I had at the Frank Brown, um, 198 CDs. Wow. In, in nine days. Wow. That's, 
That's a t- that's a high water mark. <laughs> yeah. Well, I haven't. Uh, that's been about ten years ago. But uh, that was a good year. But most years, you know, I can count on selling fifty to hundred during the festival, which is you know that's a big chunk of my Christmas money. Yeah. Yeah. Well, while we're talking about songwriters, uh, we've we've mentioned a couple times already so far, you know, about writing approximately seven thousand songs. Um, you know, a part of me wants to ask how many a day you're writing these days, but but I think it's it's more fascinating to hear you talk about your process. Well, the process is different song to song, um, and I'm not writing as many these days. I've been really putting time into the band and. Uh, and even before that, uh, was uh, working a lot on on getting the career of Genesis Green going, who's part of Mysteria Lux, and uh, we'll be focusing a lot more attention on her solo career coming up. Um, so the process as a band is, you know, we get together and kick around ideas collectively that fit that sound. Um, a lot of what I also do is writing with recording artists like Mindy Brosh, and she's got a very clear artistic vision of what she wants to do. So my job is to help her go after that. If I'm sitting down on Music Row and we go, oh gosh, Garth Brooks is putting out a new record, what do you think we could write for that? That entails a whole other mindset. And sometimes you just write for fun. (laughs) Um, And that's always part of the process because if part of it isn't just for fun, you'll never get a great song. Mm. Um, For film and TV, and that's kind of one of my favorite it's a hobby but it's become a very profitable one a lot of times they'll say we're looking for stuff that sounds like classic rock of the mid 70s um and i've got a band that that's all we do is just write replacement music for film and tv so it kind of allows me to go back to my roots or they may call and say hey we're looking for something that sounds like celtic based classical music from the 1700s Mm. So there's a constant challenge in that. Uh, and I found that the secret, the, the way I got that many songs without just completely going batty, was keeping a variety to it. If you sit down and try and write um, Tim McGraw's next hit every day, all day, you'll get sick of writing. Mm-hmm. But if you do that one day a week, you'll look forward to that day. You'll go, great, what can we do and write for Tim today? Mm. Um, so you keep a variety and keep the challenges coming keep in touch not only with people who are more experienced and a level up, but with the fresh talent coming in because they have new ideas and they're so excited and that's infectious and contagious. So change it up, write by yourself, write with one other person, two other people, um, write with people from other genres, write with, you know, the biggest hit writer you can find and the freshest kid off the bus. It's all good experience. That's great advice. Okay, now it's time for Bruce's bonus. This is a segment here on Now Hear This Entertainment where I take off my hat as podcast host and put on my hat as president of Now Hear This Incorporated, giving a helpful tip for the listeners that are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers who are out there trying hard to make a go of it. Today's bonus is, if you're playing somewhere and there's no promotion on site for your being there, don't blame that place for it. What do you do to promote your shows? Accept the fact that, yes, you might have to provide flyers or promotional materials in advance, meaning you'll have to create those publicity materials yourself or hire someone like Now Hear This to take care of all that for you. That said, check with the site first and find out what they want and how they want it. 
And that is today's Bruce's Bonus. I, uh, I mentioned in the intro that, that you wrote a book uh, called The Everything Songwriting Book, All You Need to Create and Market Hit Songs, which, by the way, listeners, is available through Amazon.com and Barnes & Noble. I'm wondering if there's another book in your future, what, what with how much the industry has changed. Well, if, uh, if Adam's meeting, oh, I would probably do it again, but writing a book is so much harder than writing a song. It's uh, The final manuscript on that before we cut it down was about 125,000 words, whereas you might have 300 in a song. Mm. So I would certainly do it again, and they actually took some of the better material that got cut out and repackaged that as uh, essential songwriting. So I've got two titles out with them now. But yeah, I think it is time for an update. Um, the market changes and the business model changes in the music business so much more quickly now. You know, it, it used to be it would change years. So the 40s were different than the 50s and the 60s, and now it's every year things change. Um, think back just, say, seven years ago. Oh, if you didn't have a MySpace, you were nobody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and kids now are like, my what? Um, as a as an author and a a writer of approximately seven thousand songs and and evidenced by taking the two girls in hysteria lux under your wing you you talked about uh, artist development uh with with genesis you you obviously have become a mentor to many i i wonder though if someone like you has a mentor though oh i had many many um Gosh, Casey Kelly, um, who wrote This Is Where the Cowboy Rides Away, has been a great help to me. Um, are you familiar with the Three Chord Heroes? Uh, it was a group of songwriters. Uh, Jimmy Payne, who wrote uh, Woman Have You Got Cheating on Your Mind. Danny Dill, who wrote The Long Black Veil. Um, Dick Fair, who wrote uh, Some Days Are Diamonds. And uh, and Don Wayne, who wrote Country Pumpkin. The group of them kind of took me under wing, and uh, Dick was still doing his own touring at the time, so they'd let me sit in in his chair when he was out of town and, and do the Nashville gigs with them, and they let me sing on their record. Um, Mike Williams from the, the Kerrville scene was a big mentor to me. Uh, so many people. I mean, yeah, there are Cherise Poltori, a global songwriter connection, her husband Lou, who runs a live on stage booking agency. I would have left town many times over without their support and help. I, I know that that, uh, that Cherie is, is somebody that's still very much on the forefront today. Is is, is there one person that, that, I mean, some of these people, you're, you're talking a little bit more in past tense, but is there someone today that, that's kind of your, your go-to person? Yeah, Cherie and Lou, um, they're one of Nashville's power couples, really. And, uh, and they've been really trying to help um, with the band and with Genesis' career, and Cherie's been trying to help me, or has been actively helping me, um, in many ways for a number of years. So they're, uh, we call them our angels, and know so much about the business, and they can do so much and absolutely everything in their power to, to move things forward for us. Um, there are some absolute geniuses who I get to. Ralph, Ralph Murphy has been a mentor to me for years and years and years. Um, that usually means about two or three hours of his time a year, which is very precious. Mm. 
Wow. Um, Gio Godard at Olay Publishing, who is my favorite publisher, um, because not only is he great at what he does, but he's had, I think, about 400 cuts as a writer, which he's too busy being a publisher to do now. But So he understands songwriters from from a songwriter's perspective. Um, and he and Ralph are probably the two smartest guys I know in the business. Um, Cherie and Lou aren't far behind, and they work so hard, and they're so connected, and they have a they have a hands-on genius for getting things done. Um, and commend to anybody who's a songwriter and wants to become better to check out globalsongwriters.com, uh, which is Cherie's organization. Um, no matter what level you're at, they have a way to help you move forward, and they're very hands-on. So uh, I, I can't say enough good things about her and Lou and the things they've done for us. Well, and, and I must say that I, you know, I can't say enough good things about you. Um, w- w- one of the things that, that really impresses me is the tremendous diversity that you show in, in your songwriting. You, you mentioned uh, in, in your last answer there, you, you made a quick reference to Kerrville. And for the listeners that aren't aware of, of Kerrville, uh, CJ actually won the Kerrville New Folk uh, Songwriting Award. Um, which has had some some other big names uh, that have won it: Lyle Lovett, Steve Earle, uh, Towns Van Zant. Um, you know, so you've made yourself that much more marketable, CJ, by not just writing in one genre. You, you know, you you pretty much open yourself up as as you said before, TV and film, or someone's looking for this, or I'm writing for so and so, or I'm writing for my own band, Asteria Lux. Well, I remember when I was a little kid and it was still AM radio and you'd turn on the top 40 station and you'd hear Kenny Rogers and Frank Sinatra and Led Zeppelin and Steely Dan and the Beach Boys and the Beatles all on the same station. Um, and I, I think we've gotten so far away from that except that uh, the kid, I mean, I've, my two bandmates are 18 years old and they listen to the the 70s on 7 on satellite radio and they listen to the coffee house station and you know there's a lot of new artists they love there's a uh, singer songwriter named Hozier who I just think is fantastic that they turned me on to but they also love Beatles and Led Zeppelin and and you know I wish that that radio was was a little less micro demographic these days mm. Um, I wish that there was still just a, a station you could hear everything on. Good word. I like that micro-demographic. Yeah. Uh, I am Bruce Wozniak, and joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from the road is singer-songwriter C.J. Watson. He is the creator of and guitar player for the group Asteria Lux. Check them out online at www.asteriaLux.com. That's A-S-T-E-R-I-A. LUX.com. There are links there also to their Facebook and Reverb Nation pages. Be sure to keep up with them now that CJ has made his announcement about the outgoing Courtney Jovich. Uh, be wanting to stay tuned for developments there as they come. Uh, in the meantime, their EP Love Drunk remains available for purchase right there on their website. And of course, look for CJ also on Facebook. Be sure that you're also checking out www.nowhearthis.biz, spelled H-E-A-R. 
and sign up for the e-newsletter there and subscribe to this podcast. Tell others about it too. Subscribing is very easy. It's free and it makes it very easy to get the show every week. It downloads automatically whenever a new episode comes out. Feel free to use the social media buttons on nowhearthis.biz to like the Now Hear This page on Facebook and or become a Twitter follower. And please, as I mentioned before, I always welcome feedback about the podcast. You can post comments on the Facebook page that I just mentioned. It's facebook.com slash nowhearthisinc, H-E-A-R-N-I-N-C. CJ, I've been referring to you as a singer, songwriter, and guitar player. What order do you put those three in as far as what you want to be known for first, second, and third? And, And I guess then also, does that order change if I asked you to rank them according to which you enjoy doing the most? (laughs) <laughs> That's a great question, Bruce. You know, um, I guess we could put them in historical order. Um, I started out wanting to be Eddie Van Halen um, and was a guitar player for a long time. Never did become Eddie Van Halen. Found out there already was one of those. <laughs> and uh, But that helped me build my confidence to the point where I, I started being a singer. And I was a front man and lead singer for a long time. Uh, through all of that, I wrote songs, um, but it, it takes a lot longer to develop that. Um, after I got to headline an arena tour and, and do some of that, I, I decided, you know, being a rock star is fun, but it's the songwriting that really, really fills my soul. Mm. Um, it's my favorite thing, and, and so I started really working on that. Um, these days, I would probably put producer first, because... After so long writing songs and having other people mess them up recording them, I decided, <laughs> you know, I should at least get the demo right. And so I started producing my own stuff and then started producing some of the artists that I write with and work with. Um, and that's kind of a, these days it's an integral part for a lot of songwriters is to become a producer um, so that you can not only get better recordings of your songs, but really in, in the changing paradigm these days, usually the easiest way to get a cut is to write with the artist. And if you're the producer, you've got a direct end to write with the artist. So it's a, it's a smart and strategic business move. And it's really fulfilling too. If you help an artist, uh, fulfill their artistic vision, uh, writing wise, help them get the song that they really want to sing and tell the story that they want to tell. And then you also can help them capture that in a recording so that nobody else screws it up, you know, because if you're a writer on it, especially, you're on the inside of the song with the artist. And so you can pursue that vision out to its logical conclusion and get it recorded the way you both hear it in your head. Really, it it exponentializes the the good feelings that you get from creating music. It's, It's 10 times as much fun to build a song with the artist, help them record it, help get it mixed and instrumented right, and find the right mastering person, and just perfect that. It's it's just a, a logical extension of the writing process. Well, but you know, we, we've we've kind of alluded to artist development. Is is artist development something that you deliberately sought out, or or was it just kind of organic, where you noticed yourself working with people, younger people, and then maybe that kind of all meshed together with, with the idea of producing as well? I think it, uh, one of my first jobs when I moved back to Nashville in 1997, 
included doing some artist development because I was doing band leader work and uh, with a lot of what they call baby acts that had the talent and had some interest but didn't have a deal yet and needed some development. So they started upping my role, doing more and more of the artist development part and helping put on label showcases. Um, and I learned the value of it, and I also learned so many of the things that I didn't know when I got a record deal um, that really would have helped me, would have helped me get a better deal and get it much faster. Uh, the band that, that I got a deal with, it took us seven years hmm. to get a small record deal. Wow. And, you know, by by focusing your efforts correctly, you can cut that time in less um, by working smart instead of just hard, and by putting together the right team and the right network of people around you. Um, so the artist development skills I kind of picked up along the way. Um, it's not really something that unless you're doing a job, it's your job title and you're paid to do it, it doesn't really pay a lot. What it does is help your co-writers or the people you're producing get their deals so you can make your money. Mm-hmm. Um. I want to talk a little bit about it. You, you, you kind of mentioned this uh, before when you were talking about, you know, one day a week, write this type of song and another day do this. And, and you know, you got to have some fun along the way. You've you've written some some really fun songs. The crowd gets some laughs when you do, uh, say, uh, My Dog Jesus or um, Coupe de Ville. Uh, there's, there's another one that, that you do uh, about the devil. Um, when you write one of those types of songs, is it just a case of, Hey, let's have some fun and not be so serious all the time. Life's too short. Or, or, or are you actually saying, you know, no, I'm genuinely trying to come up with something unique, uh, you know, that that might get cut and be a hit, or or that I just know is going to, you know, go over tremendously with with audiences. What's your approach to those types of songs? You know, it, it, it's funny because you mentioned those three songs, and it's three different answers. Mm. Wow. Um, with the devil, with the devil prayed for mercy. Um, I had a friend, I was still living in Indianapolis and house gig in a mostly covers, but a lot of originals band. And every Thursday night we would invite local songwriters to come and do their stuff. And, uh, there was this guy who'd written like 300 half songs and they were all really good. And one day he calls me up, he goes, Hey, I've got a hook for you. Um, I want a song that's finished. I've never finished a song. So I'm just going to give you this idea and you write it, and then I'll have a finished song. Wow. So he he told me the line, and I just went nuts with it. I wrote it at work the next day mm. and went over and played it for him and a couple of friends who were drinking beer in the hot tub, and they loved it. My girlfriend hated it. She said, it's the worst <laughs> song you've ever written. You should never do it out. And so I didn't really start doing it out, and two weeks later, my friend unexpectedly passed away from an aneurysm. Oh, no. And then I moved to Nashville and started playing every night of the week at the Broken Spoke and ran out of fresh songs. So I'm like, well, my girlfriend's not around, so I'm going to try to do this. And it went over, so it's become my most requested song. Um, so that one got written just because a friend asked me for a favor. Mm-hmm. Um, Coupe de Ville got written because... It was a true story. Um, Buzz Kiefer, who I think you've met, was teaching songwriting at the University of Tennessee, moved to Nashville, thought he would take over town. Uh, (laughs) 
came in his nice Cadillac, and a month later he was living in it. So we <laughs> we wrote a song about it, and it turned out to be really good. And and so that was just being a reporter, just writing what I was seeing, and it turned out to be really funny. Um, my dog, Jesus, yeah, we we thought that might have hit song potential. Um, Kurt Fortmeyer came with the idea and approached me and Aldo Trollio. We decided that the story was so important that we were just going to talk about that, and we talked about the story for several months before we put pen to paper. Um, by the time we did, we had the story so worked out that the song took about an hour. Um, but from the get-go, I was thinking that was a perfect uh, Randy Travis song. Mm. Uh, and his producer agreed, but Randy didn't... Uh, was a little too complicated for him, but it's <laughs> again become one of my more requested songs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, CJ, so all, all three your songs, three reasons. Yeah, go ahead. All, all your years on the road and all that you've done, just just you know, let's let's kind of put the business aside for a minute. Just give us a give us a real career highlight for for you, or, or even maybe just a a fun, cool story that maybe just never gets old with you, and that you'll always remember. Oh, gosh. We need about a week for all of them. <laughs> um, Shanghai Arena was definitely a, a night I'll always remember. Um, so 15 or 20,000 that sold out in a matter of minutes, and um, we were the first real rock and roll band that they'd ever seen, and they had all the lyrics translated into Chinese on wow. jumbotrons. Wow. And when we left the arena, we all went out different exits, and so... Each one of us, the exit we went out, the three or four thousand people in that section stood up, just pumping and chanting our names. That wow. was that was a moment. Um, the first time I got to sing at the Ryman was definitely a moment. But you know what? The the story that sticks with me the most, and this goes back to my dog Jesus. Um, the year I wrote that, I was down here at the Frank Brown and. Uh, debuted the song at uh, Pirates Cove, which people bring their dogs to that that bar. Mm-hmm. And I look out halfway through the song, and everybody is holding their dog and crying and laughing at the same time. <laughs> it's a funny song, but it's kind of touching. Um, so we had a moment there, but the the real moment came the next day. Uh, this woman came up to me at, at the gig we were playing the next day, and she goes, "You were at Pirates Cove last night." And I said, "Yes, ma'am." She goes, "You did that song about the dog." I said, yes, ma'am. She says, uh, you know, I uh, I lost a child in, in my house uh, in the hurricane last year and and uh, it ended up breaking up my marriage. And she said, I was going to go to Pirate's Cove last night and have some wine and go get me a bottle to go and walk into the ocean. And, and you made me laugh. And that made me think maybe I can hold on a little longer. And to me, that's that's better than any of the awards I've gotten or every dollar I've ever made. You know, that that's better than 20,000 people cheering. If you actually make a difference in one person's life with your song, that, that's why we do this. Yeah, and I know you've you've told me that story before, and it, and it's I'm actually getting goosebumps as as you're telling it, even though I've heard you tell it before, and and 
it 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 is truly special and and it i think it also speaks to you know the the healing qualities of music the healing properties of music we've we've talked about that a number of times on this show and and i think boy you know maybe maybe no greater testimony has has been given to that one i i, I would say the only one that comes close uh listeners check out episode 34 uh Roxana she's a a singer songwriter from Canada talked about how uh, she was a nurse and and just would sing in the hospital every day and and one patient in particular that the treatments just weren't working for and uh just miraculously started to heal from her singing to him every day and the doctors were baffled and it's really what what launched her career and and so to hear Roxana tell a story like that and CJ tell a story like the one that he just did you know never doubt never doubt the the healing properties the healing qualities of of music because boy that that story there cj and and, and as you said you know for the, for that to far replace any of the awards you know that's that's something that that you're going to keep with you f- forever you know you can you can lose one of your plaques or your trophies uh, but but a story like that you're going to carry with you in your heart f- forever they can't take that away from me absolutely uh, we're going to close out this, the show today with a song of yours called I Never Thought, and uh, I would just love it if you'd share some insights with the listeners about this song. This one's an example of, you know, I know a lot of people who talk about I only write when I'm inspired, and my feeling is that, you know, when you win an Olympic medal, that's you're inspired, but you have to work eight hours a day for four years to do that. Um, inspiration happened to hit. I was writing with an artist, Nick Nicholson, and his producer, David Norris. We wrote five songs in 24 hours. Mm. But one of them was this. This idea hit, and it just caught us on fire. And the song was done so quickly and so perfectly. And uh, it's on Nick Nicholson's record. Um, this is my version, I think we're hearing. But uh, this song is just, its there's a lot of truth in it. Uh, we all know a guy like this. And uh, so it's kind of a cautionary tale. Don't don't be that guy. Outstanding. Well, CJ, you know, um, we're out of time, but I'll tell you what, I, I feel like we could fill up a, a whole other episode and we may just have to have you back on at some point because there's so much ground that we could cover. And, and you know, listeners, I've, I've told you, you know, find CJ on Facebook, buy his book, that kind of thing. But this guy is just a, a, a fountain of information, a, a, a wonderful human being. Uh, and, and a very talented individual, and I'm just really glad that that we finally got the time to do this today, CJ. And like I said, we're we're probably going to do uh, a follow up at, at some point down the road because I know that you'll always have uh, more to entertain us with. But uh, certainly, as evidenced by by the announcement that you've made here about Asteria Lux, probably uh, some other exciting announcement at some point soon. So in the meantime, uh, just you know, heart, heartfelt thanks. Really appreciate you making the time. Uh, away from the festival Bruce, to do this with me today. Thank you so much for having me on. And sometime soon, I will probably uh, call you up and say, uh, "Let me bring Genesis on with me because part of artist development is media training." So she needs some interviews. <laughs> <laughs> outstanding, outstanding. That would be fun. But thank you, my friend. I, I, I really enjoyed it. Thank you, brother. See you soon. All right, I will close, as always, listeners, by formally thanking my guest today. We heard from singer-songwriter C.J. Watson. Visit his group's official website at www.asterialux.com. Remember that they are active on social media, too. Like them on Facebook, check out their Reverb Nation page, and for the remaining 
format of the band of CJ, Genesis, and Courtney. Watch their schedule for live dates and, of course, purchase their EP on their official website. And don't forget that CJ's book, The Everything Songwriting Book, All You Need to Create and Market Hit Songs, is available on Amazon.com and through Barnes & Noble. Look for him on Facebook as well. Don't forget to visit www.nowhearthis.biz and sign up for the email newsletter there by simply putting in your email address. That's it, just one field. And of course, please do subscribe to this podcast and tell your friends about it. Actually helps the show a lot. If you give us a nice review on iTunes or Stitcher Radio, uh, hopefully accompanied by a five-star rating. If you're listening on SoundCloud, remember that you can like and share episodes there. And you can also follow on SoundCloud, which is just like subscribing. As I mentioned before, let's get your feedback on the show, too. Post your comments on the Now Hear This Facebook page. There are links to it and Twitter and even the Now Hear This official YouTube channel on nowhearthis.biz. We have been recording this show at the great facilities at Crystal Blue Sound Studios near Tampa, Florida. Check them out online at www.cbpro.net. That's CB as in Crystal Blue. Thanks for listening. We'll send you out today with another song from C.J. Watson. This is the one he just talked about. It's called I Never Thought. I never thought Someday I'd wake up and find you gone And all I took for granted for so long Would suddenly be over like a song Now it is And I never thought You'd get tired of cleaning up this mess I made out of my life, I guess I guessed You'd always keep on giving me your best You always did And I never thought About the things I did and what they caused I always felt That our love was bulletproof Now looking back the truth is I can tell Just where the problem lies Just where the cause was lost You never thought twice and I I never thought I never thought That everything you said would turn out right Now I stand corrected, now I see the light As I stand alone without you or my pride Here in the dark And I never thought You ever needed anything but me So I never paid attention to your needs Cut you but I never saw you bleed From your heart And I never thought About the things I did and what they caused I always feel that our love was bulletproof Now looking back the truth is I can tell 
Just where the problem lies Just where the cause was lost You never thought twice And I I never thought I never thought That I could take my share of blame Own up to my mistakes And learn to be a better man And I never thought broken heart you've got If you don't think about our love and how I never thought 